All right, so what Pastor Kola called up to say, um, I will not be available. I need you to step in. And this is what God asked me to tell the people of God. And he said, write it down. I brought out my pen and I wrote down the message. And this is the message. He said, tell them that the Lord told me that at thy word. At thy word. It's the familiar line for those who are familiar with scripture. At thy word. By the time we flip into the storyline that brought this particular phrase, you will come to familiarize yourself that it's a, it was coined out of an event of a man that was a man like, like us, flesh and blood like us. And so I would ask that you open your scripture to the book of Luke chapter 5. Uh, it's a familiar one. Multimedia will please help me. Luke chapter 5 and the emphasis will be from verse 4. From verse 4. But we're heading towards verse 5. Luke chapter 5. From verse 4, then we... Now listen very attentively, please. When he had stopped speaking... Hello? When he had done what? Okay. Meaning prior then, he's been having talks and conversation. Similar to most of us seated here, from January 1st Sunday of the year... God has been speaking. This is one year that the adventure and the catalog of God's messages have been very profound. This is one year that the delivery of God's thought in form of messages to us have been very practical. But which of these messages would you consider to be your own blockbuster? Which of these messages of the year would you consider to be the best one that has stayed most in your mind? I, I can recall quite a number of messages we've heard. Is it the Wisdom series, the Good News series, the Open Door series? Which one would you say was not important in the course of your journey on, in, the, in, the, in this year? It's been all profound messages from God. But God now got to this point. He said when he had, what? Stopped speaking. He said to who? Launch out into the deep and let down your catch. So let's go to verse 5 very quickly. Now, this is Brother Simon. Brother Simon. Brother Simon then answered him and said to him, Oga, uh, perhaps you need to be schooled a little bit on this matter at hand. We have toiled. At a point in my life, I tried to define the difference between favored life and toyed life. The difference is very simple. Labor plus favor produces results. Labor without result, we call it toiling. Is that correct? Now, there are many factors that can be responsible for a man toiling because toiling is not the absence of energy invested in the job. It's that the result is just not seen. Now, the man said to him, he didn't say we had labored. Perhaps some version would have said labor. But I stay on the, our own version here, the New King James Version. He said, Oga, we have toiled all night and cut nothing. All right. That, at that point, if it was a generation like us, the conversation should just have ended there. But I'm not entirely sure Peter knew who Jesus was in terms of capability and capacity. You know, the prelude to the story was just that we were told that the man borrowed his boat and then they had a gist. My generation would just have ended the conversation there. Like, Master, oh, get here. You don't understand now. Maybe we also need to profile Peter a little. The man in question here called Peter, and by earth standard and definition, is not a lazy man. 
Number one. Two, he's not a man who does not know the skill of his profession because by all standards, this is a sound, excellent fisherman. By all description of who is a good fisherman, Peter will pass. And the same sound, intelligent, accurate, astute, powerful man told not for one hour, not for two hours, told all night, and I believe his toiling would not have been out of line. He must have been doing the right thing in sequence. So we know here, everybody knows here, pardon me to say it in this language, kita kita odola. Are you listening, friends? Because until we understand that, you can't go too far from your source and have a meaningful life. The day a river will disconnect from its source, that day the river will dry. Now, he then looked, the master will tell all night, nothing. Never delays. Now, uh, that for, for English scholars in our midst, you would agree that when you, in, when you interrupt a conversation with the word nevertheless, it's coming from a point, a threshold of, well, not so much of faith that I have, but because it is expedient, I obey you, lest it will be seen that I'm not courteous, I'm not polite, I'm insolent. Let me just obey you. Now, and I'm aware, somebody in this room right now, somebody who have traveled all the way from January, February, March, looks like the description of all night's journey from January to now, November, and then you have really, as it were, the convincing thing to show for it by your standard anyway. Because what God does, sometimes it's not the expectations of man, but what he does usually exceeds the expectation of man. Nevertheless, such a word, I will let down the net. If we stop this service right now, the prophetic instruction is already given. You know exactly what to do now. It's to go back to the word you heard. And say, nevertheless, you told me it's going to be a year of good news. Uh, I'm not going to let go until it is materialized. Nevertheless, such a word, I will let down. So let's go to verse 6 and see what then happened. And when they had done this, they caught what? Somebody needs to hear good news here. I'm not talking to everybody. But it is sure that the word of God will never return to him void. No, no, no. That your amen is not predicated on the integrity of that word. If you read Hebrews 4, from verse 1 to 3, I thought you are approaching verse 3. He said because he could not swear by any other person. He does not need your approval to display his capacity as God. He has said it. That settles it. Now listen friends. It is only at the mercy of the man who can stretch forth his faith. So, one of the things I'm going to have to discuss this evening on this subject is the enemies of faith. What are those things that seems to just take away faith away? And then, I, I mean, I, I've been around a while also as a believer. And I've had my moments of doubt. I've had my moments now, look at what God said and say, are you sure? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Have you been in doubt before? No. Being in doubt does not mean I don't trust God though. Faith and trust are not same. I trust God. 
But faith is the provision of his word that I predicate my belief on. The difference between faith and magic is that magic is not predicated on God's word. Faith is God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And thereafter, this instruction, somebody like Peter in this auditorium, they will come back with a great catch. Now, it's okay if your image sound like nevertheless. It's fine. Jesus heard it and he didn't take offense. He looked at Peter. I said, at least what I will be. You obeyed me. So I will say to somebody, if the least you will even do before the year is wrapped up, is still obey and hold on to those words, I can assure you that the very same experience Peter had, you would experience it. Now, friends, this statement is of no sense to a man without expectations. At the time Jesus met him, the man was at the verge of packing up. So I will pause in a moment and do a bit of flip. There is quite a number of things that characterize this mood of the year. For someone like me, what is dominant in my mind on this time of the year is what I call stock taking. Anybody know what stock taking? You just audit your life. You begin to check it off from January. Because usually people start the year with great expectations. They start the year with agenda, plan, purpose, action point, things to There's a do list, to do list that they think, okay, God, you've done this, God, you've done this, God, you've done this. It is expected of us to take stock of our lives. Teach us to number our days that our hearts can be applied to what? To wisdom. Accountability is part of our life. So some people right now who are currently taking stock or audits of their life, some people have a fantastic balance sheet. Balance sheet simply means your profit margin is more than your liability. This year, you can tell yourself boldly that number one, mm-hmm, oh God, you have been amazing this year. I have not laid my back on any hospital bed. Anybody wants to bear me witness? Or you want to say, God, take I-5 for that. You know, what I've just said is not common to everyone. Some people visit hospital quarter by quarter every three, three months. And somebody's going to just wave his hand to Jesus and say, come on, God, this year we've not swallowed any drug. Oh, my God, take an high five. To do, bam. Somebody started this year and he said, God, this year, I want you to increase my business profit margin by a certain percentage. Hello. How many of us can say, oh, God, take an high five for that? And I don't do this, please. You gave God high five for your health. Please give him good high five for your finance. Anybody? <laughs> We're doing balance sheets. Anybody here want to say, oh my God, this year I wanted to change my car and God did it for me. Anybody? Anybody want to say, this year I made up my mind to bring at least five souls to church. Anybody? <laughs> so, bring out your pen and truly be honest with us in this service. What were your expectations for 2019? Okay, so you then answer. Were those expectations meant? What percentage would you rate it? 50, 60, 70, 100%. So, tonight, even if you have 10% left, God will not let this year end without fulfilling that 10%. Yeah. 
what Peter got to this point and he was tired. Is it okay to be tired once in a while? Is it okay to be tired once in a while? Why do we get tired? Why do we get tired? What? We've toiled. We've labored. But not everybody can really say that. Why do we get tired? Hmm? Now, I, I want to ask, when the Bible told us that on the seventh day and God rested, was he tired? Okay, so because we need to differentiate things. I'm tired and I'm resting. I'm not resting because I'm tired. When God rested on the seventh day, do you want to tell me in this room right now, according to the teaching of our senior pastor, that it was because God was tired? I mean, if you ever heard it that God was tired, you should back out of such a God. So why did you rest? Eh? He had what? So one of the things that can affect you to a state of fatigue, that you are tired, is if your accomplishment, accomplishment does not match your current reality. Expectation does not match reality, rather. So, being tired is not a byproduct of I have achieved things. It's simply because I have not seen what I have invested my labor in. And then it appears that the labor is going down the drain and it appears that it's a waste and then at the point, I'll become what? Tired. The real word you choose to use is not really tired. It's discouragement. Was Peter discouraged? Was he tired? So, it's possible to be discouraged and also be tired. Is there anybody in this room that needs to be encouraged? Who is that person? So, I want to ask you, why was Peter tired? Again. Because what? He labored all night and he didn't see anything to show for it. It's a painful place to be. It's a very, very discouraging place to be. I watched the gala program of this young lady who did this NGO, whatever. And I heard the father donated the donated five billion. And one young lady on social media came up and said, Where was my father when this man was becoming rich? Now, I then watched a clip of the girl's reaction. Now, listen to me, please. I watched a clip of the girl's reaction on Twitter. When the girl's godfather donated how much? A hundred million. And I watched the clip and she was shouting right there, oh my God, this is awesome, awesome. Let me ask you, will such a girl be tired? <laughs> will such a girl be discouraged? Eh? Peter was tired and discouraged because there was absence of good news. The verse we read in verse 4 said Jesus stopped talking and he was watching what Peter will do. The last message I heard in the series before this November was what? Good news. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but that word will never return back to God until this man will testify. That word will never go back to God until this young man standing before you will testify. So tonight, it's about what do we need to do to ensure that the year does not end without the word of God not coming to manifestation. Now, let me say another thing that's very disturbing. In the course of this year, we've had diverse moments of testimony and thanksgiving service, true or false. And we have had some mind-blowing testimonies. Now, God would allow that to let somebody know that if I'm not attending to you, I'm not partial. You should ask questions. What am I not doing well? If God is doing this for some people, it's not partial. Bible says God is not a respecter of anybody. And so, you will not end this year until you rejoice like Peter. That email is not very convincing. I want to start by saying that our God is a God of timing. Hello. Is a God of timing. The timing of God is never our timing. Whatever he said to somebody in January, it is not in your place to know when he will fulfill it, true or false. But it will be wrong for you to let the word go in the name of discouragement. So it looks like God has spoken a word. The word is bound by certain timing of execution. What you don't know about the word is when it would happen. The real golden question is that would the word ever happen? Yes, it would happen. But now, would you be available when it happens? Whose responsibility is that? You. So the reason why a message like this is coming is that, please, don't walk away from the word because it is very soon to arrive. Don't turn your back on that word because it's still going to happen. Don't look for alternative because the word will still happen. You know, we read in scripture that say God is not a man that he should lie. And he will not say a thing he's not willing to execute. I asked myself a question. If Peter had said to, to Jesus then, ah, you don't understand this game. Let's forget this thing and let's move on. Would it have changed the potency of Jesus' instruction when he said, cast it down? Now, let's, let me ask a question. If another fisherman suddenly entered the place of Peter and said the same thing to Jesus and Jesus told that same fisherman, cast your soul down, would the instruction discriminate and say, no, it was meant for Peter? Not for you. Would the word still come to pass? Yes. Can multimedia help us with Ecclesiastes um, 8 and verse 6? Just to buttress what you're saying about when God gives a word, um, we get discouraged because we don't know when it will happen or how. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 6. The Bible says, because every matter, because for every matter there is a time and judgment. Though the misery of man increases greatly. Why? Verse 7. For he does not know what will happen or when it will happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? This is very instructive. And that's why the last message I preached, I entitled it, End of Discussion. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. End of Discussion. Because when you discuss it, Ah, 
will it happen in the first quarter? It has not happened in the second quarter. It tends to wear us out. The, there are some godly activities we need to engage in whilst we're waiting for God to come through. Bible says when Peter, when the Lord got into the boat of Peter, he said, push out and let me use this boat. So Peter was involved in doing something useful. He didn't have time to meditate on his misery. If he was still, he was washing his net, if after he washed his net, Jesus was not having him do anything, where do you think he will go next? A home will be good. He may go to a bar to go and drink. He may have some discussions with some people that work in the cemetery. They bury people's faith. But because Jesus showed up, he was engaged in something useful. Between the time he was washing the net and his miracle happened, he didn't have an opportunity to do anything stupid. Jesus was on the boat. Jesus was preaching and he was hearing the word of God. It was impossible for him not to hear because Jesus was speaking loudly. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, let's look at that. The Bible says um, in that Luke chapter 5, Verse 1, you say, so it was a multitude pressed about to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Genesaret. So they were crowding him. That's why he got into the boat and said, set out a little bit so I can speak to them. So he was the nearest to Jesus. He heard everything Jesus was saying, and there was nothing Jesus said that would not minister to him. You may be a kingfisher. You may have the perfect boat. You may have all the technical support from your partners. It may be the best night of the year to do your fishing and still you catch nothing. But that's not the end of the matter. He was hearing all these words. That's the only reason why he could say nevertheless. Let me tell you when your experience and an expert gives you all the indices that it's a dead end. You need a lot more than somebody just said something. He heard a lot of words of faith. That's the only reason why he could say nevertheless. So when people drop out of church because they're discouraged, they cannot hear the word that will, that will stand against their experience, that will stand against the trend of things and the way things are going, the economy is going. They don't have anything strong enough to say in spite of all this. Another word for none, nevertheless is um, nonetheless. Which means even with all that, even so. I'm not denying what happened. I'm just, I just heard enough to say God is still on the throne. That's what nevertheless means. And I pray that many of us will get to that point in Jesus' name. Let me say one more thing. This is very important. I want you to listen to this. This just ministered to me as I sat down. The man had shut down his business. They had packed the boats. There was nobody in the boats. They were somewhere else washing their net. And Jesus got into the boat. And they had to say, this boat belongs to Peter. I said, go and call him. It was over. And Jesus said, I want you to do something. Let me read that part. Verse 2, he said, And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone 
from them. They had gone from them, so that says they were not in the boat. They were far from the boat, and they were washing their nets. Then Jesus got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And when Simon got to him, he asked him to put out a little from the land. I want to submit to you that Jesus could have gotten into the boat of somebody that had caught some fish. But Jesus decided to get into the boat of some man who had caught nothing. I don't think you understand where I'm going yet. There were many boats. And it is not true that everybody on that lake, Genesaret, there were many fishermen, that all of them, is it possible that all of them caught nothing? It's not possible. When Jesus came, he chose the boat of a man who caught nothing. If I were Jesus and I needed somebody to do something strenuous for me in the middle of the night, I won't get into the boat of the somebody who caught nothing. Why? We said that this uh, Tedala's daughter, when her father donated five billion and Dangote donated 100 million, that even if she was tired before, what happens? Strength will come. When you catch a lot of fish, you won't be tired. Adrenaline will be pumping through your vein. You'll be excited. He chose the boat of a man that was down. Fatigue has set in. Discouragement was his middle name. In fact, there was nowhere to go. Shame was knocking on the door. That's why I love Jesus. Help me celebrate the Lord. Nobody begged him to get into that boat. He picked that boat. And he knows all things. Let me prove that to you. When he finished speaking, verse 4, he turned to him. Without any prompting, without any asking, without any introduction, without any begging. Peter never said, you have used your boat, what will you do for me? How did he know he needed to catch some fish? This story is not just a story of Peter, it's a story of somebody here. If he didn't get into his boat, how will he have the opportunity to say, cast your net on the right side? So generally when you're tired and God comes into your boat, don't drive him to get out of your boat. Don't say, can't you see I am tired? Go and worry somebody else. You know, the comfort I have is this. If he chose Peter's boat, a man that refused to go home because his wife was going to insult him, he was married. It's in the Bible. When a man catches nothing, the last place you want to go is home. And the Lord looked at his predicament. He didn't laugh at him. So why do we laugh at each other? He didn't gossip about the problem. Why do we gossip when we find that somebody's broke? He didn't advertise it. 
He just spoke to this situation. If you're here today, this message Pastor Kola gave you to give her is for many people here. The Lord gets into the boat of discouraged people. He gets into the boat of those that are about to despair. And when he's going to sort you out, he will not put you at the mercy of everybody. All the people that were watching Peter that they thought he was going home empty were the same ones he called to say, come and help me carry the amount of fish I have already caught. I have given the word. And the wise response to the word of God is, God said it, I receive it, he settles it, end of discussion. So, <laughs> and the word is that good news will be our portion. Can you imagine when he was pushing out, some people would say, in your predicament, you're still going with this strange preacher. People have a way of thinking they can write the end of your story because they know your problem. They know what you're going to do. They, could have said, they must have said a lot of things, but when he caught the fish, he didn't need to say anything to them. I am so glad for this message. One thing is he gets into the boat of discouraged people in the late hour. Morning was about to break in the late hour. I want someone to receive the word of God that good news before the end of this year will be your portion also in the name of Jesus. But I leave you with one thing. Two, one thing, good news, um, he gets into the boat of the discouraged. Number two, never tell the Lord to get out of your business just because things are not going well. Number three, you cannot say nevertheless if you didn't hear something. When you're tired, you don't hear a prophet come and tell you that God says it's a season of good news. You may never be able to say nevertheless. So God is so good, he's already in our boat. I didn't hear amen. I said he's already in our boat. He has spoken that there's going to be good news. What we need to do now is nevertheless. <laughs> there can't be more than this and better than this. Pastor said, you know what? When Pastor, Pastor Kola called me, I said, this is not a message. This is an instruction to somebody. Now, don't drive me out of your boat. Don't use your situation to judge my capability. I'm not done with you. It's just middle of the night. It's just 11th month. I'm not done with you. Don't use your character and push me away. Thank you very much, sir. Amazing dimension to it. The timepiece is 7.12. We should be out of here at 7.30. Please capture these three things quickly on your note. Enemies of faith. The first one is the pressure of time. Time. If you bow to the pressure of time, you will walk away from your boat. If you look at the timepiece, if Peter has said, ah, it's 12 midnight, oh, fishes don't move around this time, it will, it will take a walk. Don't let time, don't let the urgency of comparison and pressure of friends push you out of the race. Ah, where are my mates from January? No, 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 they are not your mates. Because the, the journey and the destination is never the same. The pressure of time it kills everybody before their time. That's number one. Number two, 
I said to myself, what is the cure for the pressure of time? Even if you no longer can, can feel the word again, trust God that he will never fail. He told them to increase the inferno by seven times. Why? Waiting for them to enter it when it's at the hottest point. is the God of all fire. In fact, at the peak of your predicament is what defines him as God the most. Don't bow to the pressure of time. Trust God. Number two, quickly. Don't let your negative character be the reason for your disqualification. You used to come 8.30 in the morning. Discouragement sets in. You start to come 9. There's a character flaw somewhere. And what is the cure for character flaw? Change your association quickly. The company of a fool will destroy you. But the company of the wise will make you wise. Believe me, no man can by himself sustain discouragement without the voice of another person. Number three, enemy of faith. Voices. Your mother's voice, your uncle's voice. I remember a young lady, I'll never forget the story she narrated when I was on campus. She was washing on campus and she was tired and she was, while she was washing her things, she had IPO, IPO bleach here. And she had other things to wash. While she was washing, the devil started to speak to her in her mind. Now that your life is over, why don't you just drink this IPO and end it? Do you know what she did? It's just pack her clothes, pack her clothes and left. Somebody who saw her would have imagined she was running mad. But the cure to voices is a counter voice from you. The enemy suggested to her, drink the hypo, drink the disease, and just die. By herself, she started to shout. At who? The voice within. And she packed her clothes. <laughs> By the enemy himself, he will take a walk. In this 11th hour, shut down voices that are not helpful. By yourself, shout in your room. It's a liar. We make it. You know it's not madness. <laughs> okay, even if it's madness, it's not allowed. After all, you are alone. <laughs> you know what I realize? Christians are too quiet for the voice of the enemy to stampede them. He's suggesting to, to, to cut corner. Hey, Nobody is cutting corner. I have seen it. I have done it. Men of faith would have done it in this room. When you shout at the enemy. Why so cast down all my soul? Ah, Put your trust in God. Now, in closing, 7.15, two minutes I'll be done. Do these three things. Well, the nevertheless, and the fish is coming. Do this, please, I beg you, do these three things. I'm currently doing them. Number one, give yourself rest. Go and play. If you are looking for your khaki and you have searched everywhere, usually when you abandon the search and you start to play, mysteriously, miraculously, you will now see the khaki. And you now say, ah, so I've been looking for you since. Your apprehension delays the manifestation. You are getting too apprehensive. Go and rest. It will happen. And usually, I saw a man in the Bible, his name is Adam. God told him to go and look for a wife. He searched, brought all the animals. And God being the almighty God. Not that the way this guy is searching for this thing, he won't find it with this apprehensive anxiety state. You know what he did to him? You know now. Just slapped him. Go and sleep. Because allow me to walk. You are too hard working for me. Let me walk. Go and sleep. Go and play. The miracle will come. Rest. 
So that when the miracle come, you will not use your own sickness to start to take care of. Don't go and rest. Believe me. All your life is arranged before God. He said, not a strand of your head withdraw from your head without his permission. Why are you apprehensive? What is killing you that God cannot handle? Rest. It's December. Come buy Christmas gifts. Buy a new shoe. Come for Christmas a wolf. Oh, the giant told that eat good food. Relax, oh. Don't be like some brother with white beards out of stress. Say, why is your hair growing white? It's stress. Stress is not godly. Relax. Go and rest. Number two. Another cure in this moment where you should calm down. He said, Philippians 4, 6, 7. He said, be anxious for nothing. In everything with thanksgiving and praise and worship and in. Make your request known. Then the peace of God. Look at that. There's a part there. He said, the peace of God will guide your heart. Just blast the worship in your room. Be practical with this instruction. You won't have stress. I realize that the more you can rest well, the younger you will look. This sudden old age as a result of overload stress. Because when God finally solves it, you now ask yourself, so what you buy law? I have seen it before. Go and ask people who trust God for the fruit of the womb, and finally it happened. Or go and trust God those who are trusting God for, for, for life partner. You know, for when they find five, the, the partner now come, you now say, Is this it? So is this all the wala? Go and rest. Believe me, God will not sleep until you make it. Transfer your worry of sleeplessness to God. Some people, by reason, they have insomnia. Now, you know insomnia. They can't sleep at night. And God is saying, I am the one that does not sleep in slumber. When did we join my club? Sleep. Sleep. Finally, in all that you can with your power, this is very important. Pastor emphasizes, keep your faith alive. Keep it aglow. Keep it strong. Tell yourself, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely testify. Believe me, this planet is not sweet without issues. Challenges makes life interesting. It will be boring without some challenges. But the good news is this. You, you, are, you, are really, you are living from the point of victory. There is no battle God steps into it and he comes back as a loser. Look, oh, I wish I can just bring God and say, let God say it to you so that you believe. Because the truth is that this storm will be over. This siege will be over. You will come out a better 2019. If you believe it, say convincing amen. Yeah. That is the message Pastor Kola gave me. And we have delivered. And we have delivered. Friends, Pastor said it in a very profound way. It's not a good time to walk out of the boat. Because the very person that will deliver the miracle is in the boat. Don't walk away. Don't walk away from church because of traffic. Don't. Don't miss the house of God. Don't miss the house of God. And the Lord will strengthen you. The book of Hebrews, I believe, chapter 4, the last verse says, Come to his throne of grace and mercy. Am I correct? To receive grace in the hour of need. Do you want to rise on your feet in a few minutes and say, Lord, I receive grace to receive the miracle you are living with me this year. This year is not over. I am glad I came for this service. I am excited because my soul is encouraged. I am going to home to rest now. I will eat my food with joy. I will sleep well. I have handed over my problems and issues to him. The toiling is over from tonight. Good news will yet locate you. Lift your hands to heaven and say, Lord, I receive grace for, for the journey ahead. I receive strength for celebration. 
I receive strength for testimony. I receive strength for celebration. Lord, we thank you. Because at thy word, we shall see the manifestation of what you have said. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed.